This is Moon Tower Podcast with your host, Ian Hubbard. Well, hello, folks. How are you? Are you all well? Is everyone well? Have you entered a new dimension lately? Well, we're here to bring you to that dimension if you haven't stepped through the front door. And with that, I bring you the new episode of the Moon Tower Podcast. Hi, Nate. Hello, Ian. I'm sorry. I went into a Rod, Rod Sterling kind of thing. Rod, Ron, Ron Sterling? Ron Howard? Hey, well, I'm talking Rod Sterling. I'm oh. talking the, the real fucking man in black. Ah, uh, yes. Like, Twilight Zone, the one of the most proper dapper son bitches ever on a recorded screen in a three-piece suit. I wouldn't disagree with that. You've seen Twilight Zone, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I just didn't know that guy's name. I was just like, oh, hey, it's you, Twilight You didn't Zone. know Rod Sterling's name? I mean, it sounds familiar I'm going to start antagonizing like, you, know, you, Nate. You, yeah. didn't know, you didn't know Rod Sterling's name? I do now. <laughs> Well, I knew his name, but I never like associated Baby. like the guy with the oh, name. Oh man! How can how can you do that to me? How can you do that to me? Hey man! Oh my god! Maybe you should say his oh, name more god. often. What? What? Maybe you should say his own name more often, and then it's like, oh hey, now I know <laughs> the guy. That's the guy. He opened every episode by "Hi, this is Rod Serling." <laughs> Okay, you know, my memory doesn't serve me very well in my old age, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, now, you, you, I, I guess you've been through the ringer then, baby. Yeah, one could say. Well, and any matter of the fact, that is Rod Serling. Okay, ah, now I, I, I feel educated. Do we have to hug it out now? Let, let's, well, let, we'll, let's we'll, get, we'll hug it out later. Let's get, let's get, a, let's get a sound effect hug. Uh, can, we, can we get a sound effect? Yeah, like, like thunderclaps laugh? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Good game. That was good. good I'm hug. glad we had good that. Good hug. <laughs> Remember, folks, hug out your problems. Don't tug them out. Well, hey, talk. Yeah, talk it out. <laughs> talk it out. You know, communi- communication is the number one problem and the number one solution for a lot of things wrong and proper in this world. Indeed. That is the one factor that a lot of people cannot bear with or own up to. But when they do, usually a lot of good things happen. Just got to talk it out. That's all you got to do, folks. really is. Anyway, now that the self-help section of the uh, episode is over. Wait, we have a self-help section? Yeah, we just happened. Oh, shit. Yeah, it just happened. We got to patent that and uh, make sure we can get on daytime TV. Yeah. You know, give us your daytime TV monies. Yes, give us your donations and then donate to the charity of our worth. Of your choice. Yes. Well, hello, folks. <laughs> we are back once again. All right, folks. We're going to keep it moving and grooving and wilding and jiling and uh, hip thrusting all the way through this episode. Oh yes. We got to keep it cool because a lot of hot things are happening around the world. And let's be honest, folks. You can only contain that one spot that you're in, and that's your own self. I was going to say my pelvis on fire right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> your mouth is on fire right now, Nate. Yeah, that's you. But, yeah, let's keep it cool this this episode, folks. Stay cool. Settle in. Fall is about to hit. It's going to be a good time. We all love fall, right? I love corduroy. Mm-hmm, I look best mm-hmm. in it. I look best in fall desire. I like my flannel. And attire. That pumpkin spice shit can stay right in the garbage where it belongs. Yeah, apple cider all the way. Works better with Sailor Jerry. Yes, it does. <laughs> but also with the fall season mm-hmm. comes more and more movies. movies. A lot of them are probably going to suck. But... Two in particular. I've mentioned, obviously, one. The other one, didn't think I would uh, be excited for, but I, I am excited for now, and that is the new Joker movie. Oh, yes. 
Uh, I've seen the new uh, two trailers of Joaquin. Yeah, it's looking rather promising. I, yeah, especially <laughs> for, like Todd Phillips. I think he did what was it, Pineapple Express? Yeah, yeah. And a couple, a couple other like goofy ass movies. I think. Yeah, I'm completely, basically unaware of the guy's work. I'm probably, I'm sure I've seen at least a couple of his movies, but from the trailers, it, I'm pretty happy yeah. just just from the outsider standpoint like never obviously if you've listened to past episodes i was never a comic book guy and mm-hmm. never really read them you know got into it blah 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 and f- from the fact that they're not using the quote-unquote source material yeah for this yeah, one. yeah so for like an outsider like me like I yeah. think that's a risky, bold move. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting take on the whole whatever, you know, Joker spectrum you want to call that. Well, what's got me excited is, have you seen, if I may digress, have you seen uh, King King of Comedy? I De don't Niro, think I have. De Niro yeah. Scorsese in 1982, it was right after Raging Bull. Oh, no, I have not. De Niro plays an up-and-coming stand-up comedian okay uh yeah, yeah. jerry lewis plays the like johnny carson type mm-hmm. uh late night show that he's trying to get on to okay i think i remember you talking to me about this yes movie before. uh yeah. de niro he's a stir crazy like flip side of travis bickle kind of character his name's rupert rupert pupkin okay and he's without a doubt the creepiest character de niro's ever played mm. like scorsese has yeah. even said that it's his favorite performance that De Niro's done for him. All right. And this is after Raging Bull. Yeah. And after Taxi Driver <laughs> and Mean Trees and shit. New York, New York and whatnot. Okay. Hell of an endorsement. But um, the avenue that the from the trailers of the Joker movie, they're playing upon that kind of thing. Like It's like the way I judged the two trailers is... King of Comedy meets One Hour Photo. Have you seen One Hour Photo? I've seen One, one hour, hour Photo. Yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. It's push those two together because De Niro's in the new Joker movie and he plays a uh, like a talk show host, late okay. night talk show host, yeah, yeah, yeah. who has Joaquin Phoenix's Joker named Arthur. Has okay. him on. So I want to say they're kind of taking bits and pieces from killing joke but like not like making like a batman backstory it's kind of like making its own original it, thing kind i mean of sorta. from from the trailers it doesn't seem like batman's even involved yeah yeah which is cool but no that's that's totally fine and, and once again like i love the fact that i mean just for me like not being a part like not growing up and being involved and immersed in the comic book thing mm-hmm that's got me just as a movie fan's got me excited like yeah, that yeah. they're they're taking that bold move and just apparently going away from all the source material at, but you know keeping bits and pieces and yeah, ingredients yeah, yeah. It's, it's more like salt and pepper and oregano as, a, yeah. as opposed to the you mean you still recipe. have to make it a, a joker movie at the end of the day but like if you take some liberties here and there as long as you're like you know i feel like they're gonna respect the material yeah regardless. and the yeah. fact and from from the looks of it walking phoenix fucking goes yard mm-hmm. and i'm very excited for it uh, just yeah. because i'm big 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 fucking fan of his Hell big yeah. fan love him love like love him and like the master have you seen the master i have not <sighs> uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not the biggest uh paul thomas anderson fan like I do thoroughly enjoy Derby Blood and The Master and Boogie Nights. And, okay, okay. Uh, oh, what's the one? I, I, try to, I try to sit through Punch Drunk Love and uh, Inherent Vice. Couldn't do it. I haven't seen Magnolia. And uh, it's not Heart Ape or Layer. Is it Heart Ape? It's Heart Ape. Okay, yeah. Uh, his earliest film. But Walking Phoenix and The Master is like to follow like he basically followed up down day lewis and Derby blood which is yeah, that's a hell of a roar if, if, you, yeah. if you can fucking see my eyes rolling right now like yeah. i i walked out of that i saw that in the fucking theater i saw the franklin park 2007 2008 when it, like when i was on its theater run and 
it blew me away. It fucking blew me away. Ooh, yeah. Like when I saw it the first time, it blew me the fuck away. And seeing Daniel Day Lewis in that role as the garbage trucks pulling up, grabbing your recycling. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the natural sound effect. <laughs> anyway. I remember going I remember going down the escalator and my my two friends were with me and they're like so, and I had my jaw wide open. I'm like, if I ever become an actor, I, that's, I'm never gonna. What he what he did in that role, and to follow what Daniel Day Lewis did in that role, was impeccable. And then to follow it up, follow it up with. You know, regardless of whether or not you think of the movie, the two lead performances, Walking Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master, to follow that up, from, There We Blood with those two and both of them give arguably the best performances of their career oh they dude, are yeah. fucking both of those oh my like I've seen the movie I think four or five times now I saw that in the theater I saw that in Ann Arbor on his first run and kind of it didn't stick in my crawl but it stuck in my head and then I went back and revisited it because the library had it mm, okay and I've I watched it probably f- at least three four times and that, if you get the chance, you haven't seen a watch, yeah, Walking Phoenix and the Master is, it's fucking, I'm, yeah. So that, and he's always, he's always done good work, I feel. And so that's, and from the trailer of the Joker, it's pretty spot on that he went, he, he went up to home plate and was like, all right, I'm going to hit a home run. Yeah, dude. And a lot of people, a lot of people were saying that now from like, people like critics or whatever have sneak peeks and it's this and that and the other and the whole hype hype machines coming out and shit but oh and speaking of Bobby D have you seen the trailer for the Irishman I haven't actually you haven't dude I've, I've, yeah. has anyone else out there in La La Land seen it comment with what you think because I am fucking excited. <laughs> I, I know you, you talked it up. I don't know why I haven't seen the trailer they fi- yet. They finally released uh, the official official official. Sorry, I, I just had some teeth taken out and I can't pronounce my words quite right. Mike yeah. Tyson hit me in the face and I had thirty eight million dollars. I don't know what the fuck I did with it. You should this in The official. The official. The official trailer, <laughs> uh, excuse me, not official trailer, but teaser trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to pronounce official all wrong for the wrong reason. It didn't even match up with what I was trying to talk about. A uh, fish. A oh. fish. A fish? What's your favorite <laughs> kind of fish? Uh, I like betas. I mean, as far as pet fish go. Yeah? Yeah. I'm a, fan of, I'm a big fan of, uh, big fan of tuna. Okay. I like tuna. Tuna's pretty good. I like it seared. I like oh sort as far as like you know uh, like eating fish like swordfish and mahi are good. Swordfish, I like swordfish because it's kind of like a, a the fish version of a ribeye. Yeah, yeah. It's got the nice vein mm-hmm. where the where the uh, the fat would be. Yeah, it's got a, a nice a good yeah. meaty texture compared. It's, yeah. it's less flaky. You know, they people comment about and criticize swordfish for having uh, apparently too much uh, mercury. Yeah, you could say the same thing about salmon though. Yeah, well, I mean, the farm-raised salmon—that's that would definitely have a lot more mercury. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's garbage. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, everything in moderation. Yes. <laughs> uh, I try to say official for all the wrong reasons. Teaser trailer for the Irishman came out. Yeah, okay. About a couple weeks ago or so, and a few days, uh, two days ago, they came out with a an official runtime for the film. Oh. Oh yeah, I think I remember that? seeing the. Po- I, I posted it, baby. I posted it. Yeah, you can follow me. You can follow me on the Facebooks. We posted three and a half hours. Shit! Oh goddamn! Three and a half hours. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Yeah, <laughs> I have no problem with that. Going Lawrence of Arabia on us, are we? Oh, I'll, uh, <laughs> oh, nice, nice name drop. Okay, yeah, nice. I, I, I've watched, I've watched some, some good ones. Yeah, nice name there. drop, Nate. Good for you. Thank you seen Lawrence Arabia? Yeah, I uh, watched fan? it at uh, senior year in high school because we had a film class or whatever. We watched some good ones. In high school? Yeah. You fucking watched Lawrence Arabia in yeah. high school? Mm-hmm. What'd you think? 
It wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. It's like I was the only one that enjoyed that in uh, 2001. It's like no one's like I don't get this. This is boring. It's uh, like, uh, yeah, you're supposed to pay attention. <laughs> it's like shit. Nate Fish, you, <laughs> I I have to say, buddy, you have broken new ground. I have a new respect. Like you saw 2001 and fucking Lawrence Arabia in high school and loved him. Yeah. At a boy. I'm proud of you, buddy. Thank Aww. you. You're thank welcome. You. You're thank, welcome. Thank you for doing the crowd well. Yeah, yeah. Someone's someone's got to have some sort of semblance of caring. So, what did you think of Lawrence Arabia? I liked it. Like at least as far as like the story or the character, or I, I just liked the direction, like uh, the use of like just like like the long shots and stuff like that. I enjoyed. Oh, the yeah. There's from... like a big sense of scale. That I, oh I like yes, that. Yeah. yes, good, yes, good point. Yeah, very good point. Yes, that is absolutely fucking true. Because if you haven't seen that, you should. Yes, the scale is impeccable because of the the wide angle that David Lean used. Yeah, yeah. Bringing in the long object into close, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And one of the big biggest reasons why, especially in Lawrence of Arabia, is that he used uh, 70-millimeter film. Okay. Which enhances... In, I guess in layman's terms, it enhances the actual frame. Mm-hmm. So you get that big, wide kind of panavision almost yeah, yeah, yeah. frame where you can see it, it's used for terrain. Like uh, Tarantino used it in Hateful Eight. I, I think Revenant was shot. In, no, I don't know if Revenant was shot in seventy mil. I think. Ah, ah, I'm, I'm, I might be stumbling over thoughts right now, but uh, okay. that that. It's always David Ling used it most, I guess, most famously. Spielberg's used it, I think, a couple times. For actually, I think, I think Leone might have used it. Maybe I don't know. Mm. Uh, For that big open terrain kind of shot, like mountains and hills and whatnot, Mm -hmm. like basically creating this open terrain for. A character as far as the actual environment setting mm-hmm. and when David Lean used that in say Lawrence Arabia he was able to literally make the character and the actor kind of like pinpoints like ants yeah, almost yeah, yeah. On, on a little board and it was used so impeccably one first of all because the editing in that film is tight very tight it's almost invisible and by invisible editing I mean like you see the cuts you see the edits you see the back and forths between perspectives for instance but you don't notice them but it registers in the back of your head yeah Kubrick yeah. uses very much as well where okay. you can it's it's almost like you you're able to edit the film yourself mm-hmm. even though you're seeing it as it is does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And say, for instance, Lawrence Arabia, you have Omar Sharif coming in from the very distant to meet Peter O'Toole by the well. Mm-hmm. You know what part I'm talking about? You remember what part I'm talking about? Yeah, Where he comes yeah, in, yeah. Omar Sharif's on the camel, and he's in the very distance in the desert, and he just brings him slowly out, and it's like a almost a five-minute scene. And he's, he's in a, a very, very extreme long shot, long shot long shit <laughs> he's thinking dumb no <laughs> okay uh and he's in a blur and he just come the camel comes walking out and he greets him it's one of the most famous sequences in cinema it really is but one of the thing, one of the things i love so much about say lawrence arabia those and especially those old when it's done right those old epic films you know going back to like you know ben-hur and el Cid and quo Vadis and uh even the biblical stories like Barabbas with Anthony Quinn or King of Kings or Demetrius and the Gladiator or the, the Robe or even something kind of like offshoot like Jason and the Gladiators with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Ray Harryhausen, you know, the stop motion. That okay. kind of like almost epic filmmaking is because a lot of it was kind of, it wasn't always shot in 70 mil, millimeter film. Like I wouldn't say like Clash of the Titans was. 
Oh, that was I think that was thirty five. That was that was thirty five. I think that was thirty five millimeter because yeah. that was nineteen eighty one. That was actually another Ray Harryhausen movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, uh, I've seen that one. He worked on. Um, which actually, did you see the the post I had? Uh, uh, Ray Harryhausen's. Uh, there's a. Uh, tra- uh, fuck traveling, uh, traveling exhibit. Oh, okay. Uh, it's due to debut in Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, three days neat. after my birthday next year, oh. and it's supposed to feature. Oh yeah, I remember you posting about that. And if it's supposed to feature like the, I think the actual claymation builds okay. that he had of like, like all the, the models and shit, like the skeletons oh, dude, from JC Argonauts, yeah. fucking the sea creature from Sinbad, fucking Medusa from Clash of the Titans, like. A lot of his works. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I hope that fucking shit comes stateside, because if it does, I'm going. Oh, dude, I yeah. gotta go. I'm, I'm there. Just because uh, fucking sounds, Jason that Argonauts, awesome. that's part of my fucking youth, man. Yeah. I fucking grew up on Jason the fucking Argonauts. That is one of the greatest movies ever. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. It, it, my personal top ten, it might not be there, but that's one of the fucking movies that yeah. I... I Ever since I was a wee little flip. lad, yeah. fucking love Jason Argonauts. That shit is the bomb. Bernard Herrmann <laughs> score, yes, that Bernard Herrmann, the same guy who did fucking many uh, Hitchcock films and Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver was actually the last score he did. He finished his score the, that night and died the next morning. Wow. After he sent it in. That's fucking true. It's in the books. Look it up. The last score he did was Taxi Driver. Wow. Yeah. And he did the fucking score for Jason Argonauts, and that shit is epic upon epic. It's awesome. That is one of the fucking movies of my youth, and I, yeah, I, high praise, high praise, <laughs> highest praise for that. Todd Armstrong is Jason. I can't remember the, any of the names of the other actors, but all the, all, the, all the stop motion <laughs> animation that is in that film in particular oh, dude, that shit's like definitive fighting the skeletons mm-hmm. that were raised from the dead Ta- uh, Ta- talos i believe is his name the 50 foot greek statue uh everything it's 1962 i believe that came out 1961 something it's uh, i might be I, th- I think it's 62 i had, i, I want to say it's 62 but anyone says that shit looks cheap now I'll fucking punch him in the dick like dude like you can't really criticize awesome. that shit because that shit was handmade yeah that shit was handmade they literally had to film it frame by fucking frame and then yeah. piece it together in post dude to that, get that, that shit stop was like motion. difficult back then I mean if you had to hand cut film like that then yeah and and for him to piece together each part by hand like like if you see Jason the Argonauts, all those skeletons they're raised from the dead at the end that they have the big battle on the mountain after he gets the golden fleece. Mm-hmm. All those skeletons were pieced together by hand. It may not have been by Ray Harryhausen himself. I think he had a, a small team, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but all those mother those fucking models were pieced together by fucking hand. Fuck off. There's no CGI. That's yeah. El Natural, dude. Yeah. Back when they had to do it, that's what makes it even more awesome. No dig on CGI or anything. There's been a lot yeah. of great shit to come but, out yeah, of you that. You wouldn't have Godzilla without that shit. So like, exactly. I mean, think about it like that. <laughs> and, like, and it's no dig on the technology now, but it's it's gotten to the point where it's like, I guess, like so overused and like and it's, uh, like just it's jerk off mode <laughs> in a way. Like, oh, we got this. <laughs> oh, dude, if yeah, I would be proud of myself. Like shit. Whereas, like, something with, like I said, with, like, Sinbad or Clash of the Titans, like, that shit was pieced together by hand. Mm-hmm. That, that's what makes it kind of, like, stay true and stay awesome. Yeah. And, once again, no dig on uh, the CGI of today. Like, yeah. some of that, a lot of that stuff is pretty fucking is, incredible. Yeah, very well done. Like, it, actually, like uh, what is it, like, Alita that just came out, that was actually really well done. I mean, more human than li- human. A li- little bit more anime than I think it should have been. But, like, I see, like, why they were going for that style. And, and everything was animated very well. Like, everything's, like, smooth as shit. It's like, so, can't complain there, I guess. Hey, more human yeah. than humans, our motto. Yeah. Quick shout-out to Rugger Hauer, wherever you're at, buddy. Rest in peace. Yes, sir. That more human than human motto, though, has kind of been the path. I, I feel that 
you know, Hollywood and virtual reality obviously is yeah, is taking yeah. that. You know, you see a movie now that, especially in 3D yeah. or 4X or whatever the extreme or yeah. whatever the hell, hyper realism, yeah, you want to call that, yeah. You see that and it's like, whoa, yeah, whoa. Like, yeah, no, ever since like Avatar came out, people have been shitting their pants over that shit. Oh, I heard stories about that. Yeah. I, I never saw it in theaters. I, I've never seen yeah. it actually. Oh, like, yeah, like, like the next like three or four years after that, like all you see in like theaters, like you know, three D versions of movies. People are like, like they're selling three D TVs for a minute there. You don't see those out anymore. Well, well it's but, funny. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing about that for me is that's also like the whole three D thing. It's more. Uh, the, the effects are better everything's better yeah everything's yeah. much more advanced but you know in the 50s that was yeah 3d that was when it was a like a a thing yeah yeah no like, yeah i can i can only imagine it was like kind of the same sort of shit you, you can know? look in life magazines from back in like the 50s when 3d first came out uh -huh. and you see all these cats in the black and white fucking photo of the theater and they're all wearing the cheap uh flat sunglasses yeah yeah the the Ray Bans essentially that you would get when you're a kid at the drive through. Uh huh. You, you know, just as a goof. Like, oh, you can watch this in 3D and it looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, see at reds least and blues. Give you a headache, you know. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember, I remember when I was a kid, like getting those like 3D Ray Bans at the drive through as a goof. Yeah, yeah. And the movie was not in 3D, but like they, yeah, you can watch it in 3D now, three dollars, and you're just like. Oh, it's red and blue, oh. and I, I see a dinosaur, I think. Man, this sh what is this shit? Yeah. But now what? you got, like, you know, like, you know, VR and, like, fucking, like, 3D glasses now are, like, way better. But, like, I don't know, I still get headaches from that shit. Like, they're just now getting to the point with VR. Like, uh, you have to have, it like, 90 frames per second or whatever so you don't get motion sickness. They're just now figuring that shit out. Yeah, I, I I don't want to put on a VR headset. I, yeah. I put on 3D, like, to see a 3D movie, I've done it once. Mm -hmm. I saw Hugo. Okay, okay. When that came out. Scorsese, getting back to that. Uh, the thing with the Irishman is the whole de-aging process that he's been oh, using. Oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah. De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci, and I, I think Heinrich cool. Yeah, yeah. And one of the reasons taking so long for it to be edited and come out is because he's been toying with that incessantly oh yeah that's one that's a thing that i'm very excited to see because from the rumor mill that's come out about it he's scorsese is just anal about the look of it and oh yeah, the, yeah some of it came uh, uh, a splice of it came out in the teaser that had De Niro like de-aged like 20 some odd years but it didn't look I, I don't know if it's a compliment or a hindrance where it didn't really look like it made any effect huh so yeah, I'm very curious to see what now. happens about yeah. that but that's coming out um, se late September late next month or this month whenever this episode is aired um, it's getting a premiere at, I believe, New York and London, or just might be London. And it's running over three and a half hours. And the premiere is late September. All so right. I'm very excited, very curious about how that's going to turn out. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to do like a massive director's cut on that, or? I, I wouldn't be surprised, like, because Netflix said it wasn't going to be released in theatrical. Oh, okay, theaters, okay. excuse me. But uh, I got a notification today saying that it was. Oh, so they're probably going to do like a limited release more. That's or what I'm thinking, like okay. art house release kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it'll stream on Netflix, and I guess they're kind of following the pattern that they did with Roma, uh, Alfonso Cuarón's film from last year mm -hmm. that won him Best Director and was up for Best Picture. And I think it won a couple other Oscars where it had, it literally had no box office because Netflix only, I guess only put it on Netflix and put it in a theater for like a, a week or so. Gotcha. I might be wrong on that. Yeah, but. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how they do it, but I'm just as, as curious to see how they release the film. Yeah. Yeah. 
because that's one of the things because Netflix is contending, trying to contend with quote unquote the big studios who are faltering right now except for fucking Disney because mm-hmm. only apparently only Disney has sometimes Fox yeah. Fo- Fox has Fox Searchlight which kind of does like the indie shit mm-hmm. so they'll they'll contend with that but Netflix is trying to contend with you know the big studios as far as the awards shows and box office and whatnot mm-hmm. but doing box office their own way yeah I do like that they're like you know at least trying to compete like you know that, that's like what's keeping why like, wouldn't the, they? yeah i mean it's keeping the movie industry like you know thriving because like you know you've had like remakes for like past like you know 10 years just getting worse and worse and then you know well, well and that, and that that's one of the things like kind of bit, what i've noticed to be the argument is you know netflix is putting out original material mm-hmm. but they're putting out so much that what do you pick to contend from? Yeah, yeah. Whereas the studios, they have their set list. A lot of it's probably going to suck, but that's the way that the studios have ran for ever, sans a uh, few years in the 30s and the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have, the, you have those bright spots. The 70s obviously being probably the brightest spot where... You know, original talent got in, and they made a lot of great work. Oh, yeah. And then they ended up fucking like themselves then, over. Yeah, like back then, like you had to be good to be viable, and like now it's like, well, as long as you keep putting out material, you're gonna sell something eventually. Well, and that—that's the thing yeah. is, like, there was a there. That reminds me of an article I skimmed across talking about, uh, say, like Paul Thomas Anderson or Tarantino or Christopher Nolan. <laughs> being you know like people go to see those movies because they made them yeah yeah you know scorsese's obviously i mean he's oh, yeah. the high priest well at least i try to do something good with it i feel so well well the, i guess what i'm getting at is like how many movies do you go to see because some someone in particular made them yeah or yeah, someone yeah. in particular is in it or someone in particular etc etc you know that's the thing and i'm that's the thing with, uh, I guess, like the comic book movies that kind of irks me in a way is outside of, you know, the Russo brothers and Ryan Coogler, I can't fucking tell you who made any of them. I think J.J. Abrams did. Like, well, Abrams and uh, a couple of Joss them. Whedon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Joss Whedon for sure. Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those are. But how many people act? And in no disrespect yeah. to any of them, how many people actually go to see those their films to see their films? Oh yeah, Cougar's one of them. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, like a lot of most people watch uh, Batman versus Superman didn't do it because Zack Snyder directed it. They did watch it because they wanted to see Batman yeah. versus Superman. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I really do think. Uh, actually, I, I take that back. I re- hope's a hell of a word anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, you know, I really hope that it's coming back around in the sense where you know, back in the 60s in the early 60s, they were having the big budget blockbusters that failed. Mm -hmm. They kept caving in because the culture was changing, everything was changing, etc. etc. You've all heard the story. And the new blood came in. My thing now is that's on the verge of happening it really is but you have a new marvel or a new dc movie coming oh, yeah. out and people are and, and i'm not knocking people for going to see it oh yeah like I, i'm past that point for like you know fuck you man yeah. hey I'm, you enjoy I'm past what that you point. enjoy yeah, like all power to you yeah so, whatever yeah. i don't care about that you know just but they're gonna make money oh yeah it's gonna make money and that that to me is the deciding factor yeah. between how I kind of see the, how the studios are run now, you know, with the influence of say Netflix or Hulu or whatever, mm-hmm. as opposed to when it was much more concentrated, you know, back in the early sixties when the studios were faltering. It's much less perpetual, I guess yes. you could say. Yeah. Yes. It's, and, and it was concentrated back more you know, back back in those days, because there was less influence. Mm-hmm. 
but now you have all these hands in the pot and so how that's what i'm very curious about seeing but according to the consumers that's okay yeah i mean and that's that's the big push if there's going to be really any change in the kind of material i mean which there has there's been a big market that's opened up and people not only is there more material being provided but people are much more curious about what material they want to see oh yeah but it's it's in this weird concentrated way it, it's just it's very odd to me it really is and at the same time i'm sure a lot of you are thinking well Ian, you've been talking about movies and this all this riffraff for so long where did it all start well let me tell you started as a wee little lad in lima ohio <laughs> this no, is a I'd, story about ian hubbard yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do a quick change and make it personal i don't care movies have always been kind of a movies have always been a staple of my life oh yeah i mean with a lot of us but i i don't I don't, I don't mean to sound facetious, but I feel like I, I took him in in a different way. Mm-hmm. It was odd. It was very odd. Being able to see Terminator and Robocop and Predator and whatnot before you're 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> like David Lee Roth said, be careful what you show your kids. Might be for life. Oh, yeah. But also being raised on like the old black and white movies and Marx Brothers and the old historical movies of the 60s. and Oh, yeah. It was. I know a lot of cats have have those stories. And I'm not saying mine's any different, but I I, I like my story oh, yeah. as far as the movies and yeah. what I saw at certain times. And yeah, and I think I, I feel I feel like I I do feel like they're kind of as as compared to say music. I mean, music's yeah. the eternal language, besides oh, yeah. love. I mean, let's be honest. You hear a song, it takes your, you can take it right back. Oh, yeah. I feel the same way with, with movies or certain movie lines or scenes or whatever. Like, I kind of feel that way with when I, like, say, for instance, um, when I was 12 years old, I think, I think I might, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, seeing the Panavox black uh VHS tape with the white strip across the front. Oh yeah, I and, and ballpoint yeah. fucking Sharpie markers to full metal jacket. Hey mom, what's this? You're not allowed to watch it. You're not allowed to watch that. So of course I had to watch it. it <laughs> took me four tries and I stopped and ejected and started back up again at f- at four different parts of the movie. Yeah, I treat it like my brother's porno mm-hmm. or my dad's porno. <laughs> I didn't have any porno. I just thought up in my head and blew up three computers because of it. And as you do, as you do. <laughs> but when I when I when I watch it anymore, which is sparingly, but because oh, yeah. that's you know it's one of those ones you gotta you gotta sit down for. Yeah, you can't just oh, throw yeah. it on. Yeah. That, that's one of the things about my my collection. I, I've had films given to me. And I've done a lot of accruing on my own, which I feel I've done a decent job both ways. Oh, yeah. But one of the things is I don't really have any movies you can just throw on. Like, I think the closest one would probably be any of the Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. The Odd Couple with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Maybe Last Mohicans. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But, like, be- because I... I for a long time, I took a serious attitude towards accumulating a collection of, of decent movies. You know, I've got some foreign films in there because, you know, I'm a kind of Thor. I'm a kind of Thor. <laughs> I'm a kind of Thor of the cinema because I like foreign films. I like Italian. I like French. I like some Japanese. I'm getting yeah, used to there's Russian. There's some foreign films out there. Oh, some of the fucking even some bad. of those are uh, like I like throwing on like really bad Japanese movies like uh, was it uh, or you can just throw really good Japanese movies Brand yeah. to Kill yep right there's some good like Korean ones and like uh, I, I want to go back and watch like uh, Hard Boiled and stuff like that oh uh, early John Woo yeah 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 The Killer mm-hmm. oh, oh man there's, there's classics it, it that I think I 
I, I know I have fucking told you this before. I don't know if it's been on a recording. That's one of my goddamn fucking pet peeves, man. Mm-hmm. When people say they don't watch foreign films because they don't want to read the subtitles. That's Look, motherfucker, <laughs> you are messing out. Yeah. And that's not even coming from a connoisseur fucking dork, you know, like, hey, you should watch this kind of attitude. Like, there are some great, great, great pieces of, of cinema that have been made in other countries. Oh, yeah. That dwarf. Dwarf! Yeah. Americans, American it's like, movies. It's like saying, like, I'm only going to eat American, American food. Are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. And let's not, let's, not, let's not mince words. There's... American cinema has yeah. provided some very, very good gems. <clears throat> you know? Oh, yeah. The Godfather, Stanley Kubrick. You know, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Name a few. But... Yeah, people who say they, they don't watch foreign films because they don't want to read subtitles, that bugs the shit out of me. Not because I don't... If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. That's fine. Yeah. I get that. I, I If it's not your thing, I'm, I'm fine with that. But to be ignorant, to be ignorant. Yeah. Like, at least recognize that they're, like, you know, they are relevant, I guess. So. Yeah. Like, and... <laughs> The Americanization of cinema is another thing that yeah. creeps the hell out of me. Like even that, you have like American film, like The Ring, for example. Like you have a Japanese version, you have an American version. Why would you just watch the American version? Like or, you might as well check out the, the the Japanese version because like it totally throws whole layers perspective on there. Or The Grudge, or The Departed, or oh, yeah. or John Woo coming over to America and having his career in the shit or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it it boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. It boggles my fucking mind. Because you're turning yourself off to something that you say you have an interest in. Oh, yeah. You know, and then another thing I've noticed is what that bugs me the most is when people say who, they like movies and they like watching whatever that say that. Yeah. Uh, can I, do I have to roll out the screed? Do I have to roll out the sheet of great films and filmmakers that are, have not been born in this country? Yeah. Speak a different language? Th- that's another thing that I feel you're being turned off to if you do that oh, yeah. is you're turning yourself off to a part of the world in a specific point in time, place, event, whatever it is, oh, yeah. storyline, attitude, uh, psyche of the area that is being portrayed, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all, all the way down the sociological list. You're turning yourself off to that. You're literally turning yourself off to history. Yeah. Cultural significance, what have you, yeah. Yeah, and, and even worse is when people say they don't watch black and white movies. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's stupid. Yeah. I'm not, you know, some people say the, the majority of great films are in black and white. I disagree. Yeah. But there are a lot of great black and white fucking films. Oh yeah, it's like it's not even just like old ones. Like I mean, you got Clerks. That that's you know for its own merits is you know, I like it, I guess. But you know, I guess that's. I was uh, trying to reference post forward to it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like you know there's a whole spectrum. It's like there's not just yeah old black and white movies. Yeah. There's new black and white movies. You can't just yeah, say like yeah. I don't like black and white movies like oh no you can watch clerks and it's like that's you know you know more modern so yeah you could watch that and like hey you watch a black and white movie them yeah. you know uh do you do you in particular have any recommendations in this field oh man i like like the older horror movies and stuff like that like what uh like Frank, around, frankenstein it, dracula like that sort of stuff I oh the, watch the old uh, universal pictures yeah, yeah. And, like, you can even, like, cite, like, Young Frankenstein, like, Mel Brooks. Like, you know, that, that yeah, shit's classic. White. Yeah. Like, I love that shit. I think, I think I'll round this out with a few recommendations. Sure. How's that sound? Yeah. Instead of just bitching about things, let's, let's provide some solutions. Yeah, constructive criticism or whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, Nate. Pick a number of foreign movies. Did not, don't, uh, I don't want you to name any. Is just pick a number of how many I should select and then pick a number of how many black and white movies I should select. Let's try this out. Just just say a number for either and I'll, I'll try I to fill it in. I think six for both of them. Six? Yeah, I think that's a little All bit right. more than five, but not ten. All right. That's good. We'll start with black and white. Okay. 
six black and white movies I think you should watch. Okay. For you, Nate, or for the listener, or for even myself. All right, let's have <laughs> Pick Up on South Street, directed by Sam Fuller, starring Richard Widmark, I think 1948. Okay. Third Man, directed by Carol Reed, starring Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles, 1948, I believe. Okay. Raging Bull, 1980s, Scorsese, De Niro. All black and white. Sunset Boulevard, 1950, Billy Wilder, Glory Swanson, William Holden. And one of my personal favorite movies, also by Billy Wilder, 1954, 56, Solid 17, also William Holden. Okay. That's five. Is that five? Yeah, it's five. That's five. And one more. Um. <laughs> Alphaville, 1964, John Luc Godard. Okay. With Anna Carino. Foreign films, six of them. Uh, let's go with Viridiana, 1961, Louis Bunuel. Uh, the Conformist, 1970, Bernardo Bertolucci. Let's go with Brandon to Kill, 1966, uh, Senjo Suzuki. Okay. That's three. <sighs> City of God. Oh, I've seen that one. That was, that was Fernando Marilis. Yeah. I'm probably butchering his name. 2005, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Persona, 1966, and Ingmar Bergman. Hmm. I've heard of is that it, one. Is that four? That's, that's, that's five. Four. That's five? Uh, that is five. Okay. Um, and rounding out the list, and rounding out this episode, Elevator of the Gallows, 1957, Louis Mao Jean Moreau, with a score done by Miles Davis. Hmm. Interesting. His debut film when he was 25. It's amazing. And with that, folks, thanks for stumbling along with us. Once again, Moons Hour Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, European Eat on Instagram, and on SoundCloud. Look us up on the iTunes Catch and Spotify and Stitcher <laughs> and whatever the fuck your doctor prescribes. As long as it's not Prozac. Well, maybe it can be Prozac, I guess, if you need, if you need it. I don't my know. voice is Prozac. <laughs> Actually, my voice might be ambient. I don't know. Yeah. And with that, folks... We will leave you with Searching from Saturn Boy. <laughs>